We'll talk to Chris Bowles from the Wolverine.com. Pretty cool to see Michigan in Jerry Palm's NCAA tournament bracket. Uh, the battle that they've wagered since it looked like everything was lost and Jed Howard out of the lineup and watching Bufkin emerge and getting Dickinson the ball and his memorable three. Uh, that's a generational shot right up there with Burke, not as important as a tournament game. And then Doug McDaniel's development. And I'm telling you, like I said, Chris, in my opening huge opinion today, I swear Jed Howard, when he returns, is the fourth option on offense to me. Huh. It's interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see how Juwan Howard nuances that, right? Because you've got a guy in Kobe Bufkin, and I asked Juwan Howard after the game, I said, you know, you've, a couple of weeks ago against Indiana, they had a, nobody who really wanted, seemed to want that shot at the end, and, and guys that didn't seem up to the challenge, and now Kobe Bufkin seems to be demanding it. He says, well, we got a bunch of those guys, and then he named them off, and he included Jed Howard in there, and I'm with you. Uh, I've been talking to, you know, people think I'm, I'm being tough on the kid, and uh, here's the thing. You've got to play both ways in this league, you can't play this like it's an AAU game. And Jet Howard too often doesn't defend. Uh, too often he's chucking up some bad shots. And I'm not saying this team is better without him, but I am saying that there are elements of this team or that when he's not on the floor, they are better. And we're seeing better ball movement. And we're seeing, uh, like you said, Kobe Bufkin's emergence. So, uh, in my opinion, I agree with you. I think that Jet Howard needs to be more of one of those guys that uh, is residual uh, at times rather than always hunting his shot. And, and jacking up shots early in the shot clock. So, and speaking to some former Michigan stars who played here, they said the same thing, and they were a little bit harsher on him than I was. So, in no way, shape, or form are we ripping this kid. But we, what we are saying is that you've got a good thing going here now with uh, with him out of the lineup and guys really starting to figure out their roles, and he really needs to embrace that. So, uh, it'll be fascinating to see how Juwan Howard handles it because if there are times when he's, you know, there are times when he's been on the floor that you've got four guys playing zone and he's playing man and they give up a wide open three. Going to be interesting to see how he responds to that if Jed Howard's head is not in the game. So, But uh, there's no question that they've taken a step in the right direction. The narrative would be a lot different if if if, uh, if Hunter Dickinson hadn't hit that desperation three, but the, the fact is he did, and here we are. So now they've got a legit chance at the tournament. Well, that delicate balance, Chris, and Chris Ballas of the Wolverine.com, the Michigan Insider, checking in on the Meyer guest line. That balance is, you're his dad. And the way Jed Howard has had the offense go through him and he doesn't play on both ends of the floor, that when he's not hitting a shot, and this is what I mentioned an hour ago in my opening huge opinion, when he's not hitting a shot, he's a liability to this team on both ends of the floor. He is, and that's just a fact. That's just a fact. Yeah, I think that's true at times, and there are times, too, you know, he had one game where uh, he had a bad game, and he came back, and he had seven assists, and you're thinking, okay, you know what, he, he's starting to understand that not every shot is a good shot, and uh, you know, and then he went back to his old ways and, and his old habits and, and games after that, and there are times there, you know, maybe it's unfair to say that he looks disinterested but to, to, in playing defense, but there were times when, you know, he'll turn it over, and then he's watching, he's walking back down the floor as the action is going the other end for a layup, and you're thinking, this is unacceptable and uh, you know what's the coach going to do about it and to his credit against Northwestern I think uh, the first meeting against Northwestern might have been the second one uh, he took him off the floor for a 10 minute stretch when Michigan pulled away there when he when he had one of those turnovers and and okay then they turned it up and, and he kind of sent a message so uh, but it's tough it's tough to coach your kid and I am not ripping on Juwan Howard in any way shape or form I am saying that I sympathize with empathize with him frankly as someone who has coached his kid at obviously at different levels but 
but um, you know it's a tough balance and it's a tough balance to find especially when your kid is going to be a first round NBA draft pick but you have your duty your first duty is to make sure that your team is winning and, and your first duty is to all those kids and Juwan Howard treats all these kids like his sons and you know this narrative that he can't develop talent I think it's gone out the window right when you see what he's done with Doug McDaniel and Kobe Bufkin now and and, and Terrace Reed starting to come on so uh, but this is something that comes through experience with coaching let's be let's be fair you know he's only been coaching as a head coach for four years and it still takes time uh, you can be an assistant coach for a long time but it takes time to learn some of those nuances of the game and especially when you're coaching your son so gonna be very interested to see what happens here these next several games and maybe this will be a good thing for Jed Howard that uh, he won't feel the pressure uh, that you're John Howard, and you know I got three better options, and if Howard's on, you feed him the rock like they did at Iowa where he had the monster right. first half, and if he's not on, you may sit him for 10 minutes because Bufkin's uh, going to work. And the greatest thing I like about Bufkin, and I did see at the Wolverine.com, I think it was, Chris, that he is one of the best players in America at finishing at the rim, and that includes yeah. when you're up against like seven-footers. Yeah, and I was surprised, and I wrote this in my post-game observations. I was surprised, and Greg Gard actually said it after we wrote it that they let him get to his, to his left hand as easily as they did because that action, when he's driving right to left and going through the lane, he's unstoppable. He's got enough lift, uh, and he's got a beautiful touch around the rim. He got hacked, by the way, on the the last one of the last drives in regulation. The guy about took his head off. There was no call, but uh, made up for it. Uh, you know, they got the shot and they went in overtime anyway. But um, we've got to see what he can do with his right hand because there are going to be teams that scout him that are going to start to take away that left hand but uh, he has become special in that respect to the point that he's looking at potentially being a top 20 pick right now Bill and, and he's going to might have a decision to make at the end of the year which is disappointing it always seems to happen to Michigan right but uh, right now we're hearing that uh, the people in his camp are, are thinking that hey you know he can come back and be a lottery pick be the leader of this team and again uh, I was on Stu Douglas's podcast with former Michigan Wolves he said, you know, he said back in the day, he and even Zach Novak, who weren't nearly on the level of, of Jet Howard and Kobe Bufkin, had a little bit of a rivalry there. Uh, these guys have to learn how to coexist and play together, too. But right now, if I'm Michigan and if I'm Jawan Howard, I want the ball in Kobe Bufkin's hands down the stretch. Yeah, and to me, it looks like Bufkin's ready to be a first-rounder, and Jed Howard needs another year in Ann Arbor. Yeah, kind of. Uh, you know, he's got to add to his game. And we talked to NBA scouts. Uh, I think it was Tracy Webster, actually, from Dallas, who was at one of the games. And he scoffed at the notion a few weeks back that Jet Howard would stick around. But since then, his, his stock has gone down a little bit. And he said, I'm here to see Kobe Bufkin. And uh, they're starting to line up, man. This kid uh, is the real deal. Now you're starting to see him shoot the ball, that clutch shot that he had against Michigan State. He had a pull-up jumper down the stretch when they're down by one against Wisconsin. That is that's NBA stuff, Bill, and uh, and he is still the youngest player on this Michigan team. That's what people don't realize. He's a sophomore, but he's still the youngest player on this team. His ceiling and his upside is tremendous, so you can see why NBA scouts are interested. Chris Ballas from the Wolverine.com talking Michigan hoops on the Meyer guest line. Ballas is the Michigan insider and also one of the greatest golfers the game has ever seen. Our Tullymore, our Tullymore Spring Football Summit will be happening end of April, early May with Doug Skeen uh, from the Wolverine.com Michigan football podcast and the five-time Big Ten champion offensive lineman. He'll join us later. We'll talk spring football and what Michigan needs to work on. They and I like what Harbaugh is doing. He gets things started. They have a spring break, which 
kind of sends a message that the kids can't go crazy and party because they're coming back uh, to practice uh, right. next week. And they have an early spring game on uh, April 1st. So between your columns, uh, what you've had in terms of time with Harbaugh or anybody connected to Michigan football, what seems to be the early theme to the 2023 season? Yeah, two things. These transfers that they brought in from the transfer portal, and I'm putting up a column here as soon as I hang up with you, Bill, about how Michigan has embraced it. These guys are going to help them tremendously, and they're going to continue to go to that well because they love what they're getting. Guys like Olu Oluwatimi, you can go back to Jake Rudock, right, his first year here, and see the guys that have really helped this program, and they have a strong enough culture now that they're not worried about running off the young guys because they want to win. Uh, that's exactly what Mike Elston, Michigan's recruiting coordinator and defensive line coach told me down at the Fiesta Bowl when we were interviewing him, he said, I just still talk about relationships with kids out of high school, not NIL, because we want guys that want to be here and want to win. We don't want them just here for the paycheck, is what he was implying. And then he said, second of all, the kids that we do get, when we get those kids, they embrace the fact that there's more competition coming in here because they know that they're going to make them a better team. They're going to make them better and that the team's going to get better. So they love Amorian Walker at cornerback right now, moving over from wide receiver. So eventually he will be a two-way player, Jim Harbaugh said. But if he can be good, uh, aside from on the other opposite side of Will Johnson there, that cornerback room could be a strength. And uh, really the only things that you're looking at right now are depth. And they think the offensive line is going to be outstanding. J.J. McCarthy, they expect to take a huge leap forward. And, of course, you've got one of the best running back rooms in the country with Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. So a lot of talent. They expect, fully expect to win a third Big Ten title is what they're saying. Uh, and you can sense the confidence, and I think they'll be favored going into it, Bill. Yeah, I think they'll be undefeated, Big Ten champions again, going to a college football playoff semifinal and uh, run crazy-ass plays on the goal line and not run J.J. McCarthy <laughs> in the first half. <laughs> not anymore, man. Matt Weiss, I'll tell you what, Matt Weiss was the guy calling those uh, plays down there in the red zone, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. We should have known when all he was doing was holding his laptop and not even paying attention to the plays. I have no comment on that. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll say. So where where will it be different though? Has this been brought yeah. up that with Weiss out because of the computer allegations, issues, whatever? What will there be a different style play calling for Michigan? Because man, I, I go back, Chris, and and everyone I talk to, and a ton of Michigan fans will always bring up that first half uh, where really you had, you know, Michigan might have had three bad halves of football. Uh, the entire year that look at the Ohio State game, look at the play calling, execution, creativity, uh, the un- unexpected deep balls, everything that was there. You were like, that's it. That's how Michigan wins a national championship. And then they had too much time to outthink themselves for at least that first half of TCU. Because when you look at that second half, and I rewatched the game, Michigan should have put 60 plus on TCU. Yep. They should have, just like Georgia did. Yeah. yeah. You know, probably and probably could have. Let's be honest. They scored forty-five points. They had, you know, if they take the three at the goal line rather than that goofy Philly special play, and they don't fumble on first and goal from the half yard line, there's ten more points right there, and you're at fifty-five. So uh, there's no doubt that that should have been the case. Uh, it's unfortunate, but you know what? You can't get it back, so you look forward. And I think what it's done anyway is, if you look at J.J. McCarthy, it's made him even hungrier to come back and prove that it was a fluke. Those two interceptions that he had, those pick sixes, did not sit well. 
well with him, uh, and he, they won't soon be forgotten. So uh, we asked Jim Harbaugh, you know, what is the, the goal with J.J. McCarthy in terms of how much more you can put on his plate? And he said he's been thinking a lot about that. You don't want him to get hurt because your backups are Jack Tuttle, Davis Warren, who are okay, uh, but they're not J.J. McCarthy. But at the same time, there are so many more things that you can do with him in the running game, in my opinion, and in the passing game. And I expect I expect better. I think Kirk Campbell will be more involved, the new quarterback's coach. He said that he was involved on first and second down plays last year in the passing game and developing that. I think you'll see him more involved. He was really good in that respect at Old Dominion when he was the quarter, uh, the quarterback's coach there and the offensive coordinator. So uh, we'll see. But I do love having Sharon Moore there as well. I think you'll see him have more responsibility. And as Joel Klatt, Fox analyst, and everybody else said, that's a good thing for Michigan. You know, speaking of good thing for Michigan, Chris, what you just mentioned earlier in the conversation you know, they're, they're preseason top two, at worst top three in any of these way too early college football polls, that they they are locked in with Ohio State at home. They are locked in on the, uh, on the very strong possibility of three straight Big Ten championship seasons and three straight college football playoff appearances. Yeah, that, that's absolutely. a lot. That, that's what every Michigan fan dreamed of, and they've wanted from every coach, and it's why they went out and got hardball. Yeah, 100%. And sometimes it takes a little bit longer, and I think Jim outthought himself. And after that first big loss to Ohio State, uh, you know, he thought, okay, uh, this is what we have to overhaul everything. I think people kind of talked him into it and getting away from his roots. And he's starting to find out that, hey, you know what? The way that I was doing it is certainly capable of winning the Big Ten. And if you win the Big Ten and you're in that Final Four, then you got a, at least a puncher's chance. Now, they blew it this year. They had no shot against Georgia a couple years ago, if we're being honest. Uh, and who knows what would have happened in that Georgia game this year. They looked awfully damn good to me. So I still think that those SEC programs are a cut above because they have the talent and they have that anything goes mentality. But if you get there and you have a chance, Bill, then really that's what you aspire to, right? And if you can win the Big Ten, and and let's be clear, uh, these last two Ohio State games, there was no doubt. They were the better team. Michigan dominated them. We've heard people say last year was a fluke. And I said the only fluke is that it wasn't 29 instead of 22 because some official blew a play dead that shouldn't have been blown dead. They went down there and they dominated the second half of that game and they deserve to win. You can win that way. Uh, can you win a national title that way? That remains to be seen, but it was good to see Jim Harbaugh get back to his roots. I don't see him anticipate him changing that going forward and, and here's Michigan football just as we expected under Jim Harbaugh. You know, I get the programs at Alabama and Georgia and you look at the big boys, but you have the quarterback coming back. You, you just went through yep. they're working on depth during this offseason and when they resume spring ball on Monday, you know, to me, with, with McCarthy and with what they have, my only question is, can Harbaugh and his staff play call their way to a national championship? And also, do yeah. you stay healthy, right? Yeah, 100%. Uh, and the health is the big thing. And they've overcome some huge injuries here the last couple of years. Ronnie Bell, the first year, that was one of the guys that we said they could least afford to lose, right? And then they go out and win a championship without him. And then still win the Big Ten title, beat Ohio State and Purdue with Donovan Edwards in there instead of Blake Corum. And let's be clear, Blake Corum is a better back right now than Donovan Edwards. Donovan Edwards is a great back. Blake Corum is a Heisman Trophy candidate. So to be over, to be able to overcome that is great. But when you get up against these Georgia and Alabama, 
Alabama teams. You're talking about guys. You know, Michigan's got a ton of guys in, at the NFL Combine here, but these guys are all going to be going anywhere from the second to the, the sixth round. When you're talking Georgia and Alabama, uh, remember that Georgia defense last year and how many guys were first-round picks, and you're like, that's just absolutely sick. And all these guys are going to be playing on Sundays at a high level and, and be high draft picks. So there is still a talent gap there. I don't think there's any question about it, but it's something that, like you said, if you scheme up a great game like they did against Ohio State, right? They, they threw everything at them. Then you have a chance to beat those teams. And, and it's like I said, you win the Big Ten, you're going to get that opportunity. It's unfortunate they didn't take that let, that next step last year when they lost to TCU. They were better than them. They probably win that game eight times out of ten. Uh, some of the Michigan coaches that we've spoken with said they probably were a little bit too uh, too overconfident going into that game. But uh, it's a missed opportunity, but now you got another one, and the program certainly seems to be on solid footing going forward. Yeah, and the timing's really good for Harbaugh and McCarthy in Michigan because they get that run through 2023, and that's before UCLA and USC uh, will join the Big Ten, and I think we're going to see no divisions. Uh, we're going to see a different pod-style st- uh, home-and-home series, and it will be something maybe similar to what the ACC is doing, but I believe this is the last year for divisions in the Big Ten. I really do. I agree. I agree, and I think you're going to see an expanded playoff, too, obviously, and that's going to happen. Twelve teams! Uh-oh! Yep. Has to be. And will and be. So some, so some two-loss two teams will have to be will be able to get in there, too. So even if you lose, if you're playing a tougher schedule, even if you lose one or two of those big games, you're still going to have an opportunity to get in there and prove yourself in the postseason. So, yeah, it does cheapen the, the, the regular season a little bit, but it makes it a lot more exciting because, there, let's be honest, there are teams last year, uh, Alabama being one of them, that probably, you know, would have would have made some, done some damage in the uh, in the final four as well. So I think it'll be good for college football. Yeah, I think you're going to have the toughest task if you're the new look Big Ten in 2024 when UCLA and SC come in from Los Angeles, and I'm talking football, is how do you weight the schedule compared to what the TV networks and the $7 billion plus will want because Michigan is such a big TV draw. You're Michigan. Yep. If you're going to protect two rivalries, I think it would be Michigan State and Ohio State. Then now what do you do? Play USC and UCLA every other year to balance that? Is Penn yeah. State an every other year thing? I mean, how do you how do you weight it in the Big Ten? Because if I'm the West schools, when when they change to no divisions, it's gonna change the world for Luke Fickle, the new head coach at Wisconsin, for PJ at Minnesota. Uh, four rule out in Nebraska because now you're adding UCLA and SC. So you have to get by Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, yes. UCLA, USC, Michigan, or State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska. We'll see what rule does. I mean, I, Northwestern with Fitzgerald. I mean, go down the list. Where Where's the gimme game? Illinois, uh, Indiana, I think, will, you know, they'll be going through their you know, every other five-year regime change. Look at the depth in the Big Ten. That is crazy. It is. Yep. And it's going to be so. It's going to be interesting. It's. I agree with you 100. percent Michigan, Ohio State isn't good, is going to be protected for sure. So every year, one of those teams is going to have a loss, right? And uh, is Indiana? Is, say, say Indiana has a great year and Purdue's their protected rivalry, and Purdue seems to be trending downward. Uh, you know, with Brom leaving. So, um, you know, it isn't fair. But you know what? It's just the way it is, and it's something that Michigan has dealt with 
for a long time. I mean, they was Wisconsin on the schedule, right, for six years in a row or something like that. It was crazy. And it was supposed to be Nebraska replacing them with the thought that Nebraska was going to be really good uh, for six years in a row. And I'm thinking, okay, there's something wrong here. you know. But it is driven by TV, and it is driven by money, and you're not going to hear them make excuses about it. But Nebraska is a, a tough place to play. There's no question about it. I think there will be three protected games. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see who Michigan chooses in those. Uh, you know what? There's been talk about Minnesota too with the little brown jug game and everything else so uh, it'll be it'll be fascinating but it's changing Bill it always is now and uh, it is you know I'm, I'm a traditionalist you know if it were up to me we'd go back to 10 and uh, everybody plays everybody but those days are long gone and, and you know it's only a matter of time before all these guys are getting paid a salary in my opinion and uh, it's just you know that's just the way that college football is trending yeah, I think their three protected would be Ohio State, Michigan State, and Minnesota, they're not going to want to protect like UCLA and USC in three games you could lose. I I think it would be those three, and then we'll see how it works out. Also, if you go to the top two in the conference play in the Big Ten Championship after UCLA and USC joins, uh, how do you do that with the weighted schedule? Is there almost like a Big Ten Championship playoff rankings that would base it based on strength of schedule on who the top two are in the conference title game a lot to do but man i'll tell you what adding ucla and usc to the conference gonna be awesome and football hoops baseball go down the list chris ballas from the wolverine.com he's the man he is unbelievable on the golf course kind of like a young lee trevino Yeah. Tell him more well, golf. Temper- tell him more golf. Spring football summit will be happening end of April, early May, where we'll look back at the Michigan spring game, talk Michigan, Michigan State, Big Ten, and your Lions. So we'll probably do it right after the draft with the Lions. Can't wait. And you know what? Uh, we'll have positive things to say about the Lions this year, which means they'll probably take next year. Going, going to the two Super Bowls next five years for the Lions. <laughs> do that, Bill. Uh, I will buy the rest of your golf for the rest of your life, wherever you want to play. There you have it. It's on record. So hey, 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 hold on. Oh, I'm just making sure the record button yeah. is on the computer right now. There you go. Chris, we love you, my yeah. man. Thanks, brother.